Ladies and gentlemen and Corner Kick fam, welcome back. Much shorter uh, pod this time, but less than 24 hours after we released our sort of first two matches of the group stage uh, conclusion pod, uh, we said that we would get you a sort of live hot take reaction to however the USMNT game went today. And fortunately for our sanity and for the tenor and vibes of this pod, the United States came away with a nervy but deserved 1-0 win over Iran. I am Nathan Strauss, joined by a man who is not at the hospital dealing with an injury to his nutsack. It is Nick Govindas. Yes, Nathan, the tenor of this podcast is going to be much more joyful following that 1-0 result over Iran, because my pronunciation yesterday was so poor. But yes, I'm very, I mean, I'm super happy with the result. It was an incredibly tense game. I thought, the USMNT left everything out there, including Christian Pulisic's uh, crown jewels, which we will get onto, I am sure. But yes, um, definitely going to be a much more uh, happy experience recording today. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, let's get to the uh, let's get to the lineup. Um, one big surprise or one big change, I think, and uh, that would be Cameron Carter Vickers coming in over Walker Zimmerman, CCV. Obviously, I don't think he's totally panned out the way that some thought he might, um, you know, a couple of years ago, but he's still a, excuse me, a, a good ball playing center back. And we, Walker Zimmerman was completely at fault for the draw uh, against Wales in match day one. And his distribution was definitely not up to scratch against England in match day two. And so I've been pretty critical of Berhalter's system, but this was a decision that I thought he absolutely got right. No, and I would agree. I think even though I'm a huge Walker Zimmerman fan, I'm obviously a based here in Tennessee around Nashville, so I, I follow Walker Zimmerman closely. I think he definitely hasn't been at his best, or at least what he's been asked to do by Greg Berhalter doesn't exactly play up to his strengths in distributing out from the back. Cameron Carter-Vickers, yes, while his career in the Premier League with Tottenham or at Spurs has not panned out the way we would like it to, he has had a bit of a renaissance this season playing at Celtic in Ange Postacoglu's really incredible Celtic side in the Scottish Premiership. So he is coming into this tournament in form, definitely more comfortable on the ball. I would say that Walker Zimmerman still had a a role to play in this game, coming on and forming uh, the right side of that back three for the USMNT late in this game. And his header in the box towards the end, uh, I think was quite pivotal in sealing in seeing out this result. So, Zimmerman still can clearly play a part when the USMNT are defending the lead. But yeah, I think starting this game with a back two of Tim Ream and uh, CCV, who are both quite comfortable on the ball against the Saran team, was, was the way to go. Yeah, and the U.S. finally, for the, in the first half, the U.S. finally played the way that I would have liked them to be playing this entire tournament, which was they knew they needed to win, and they controlled most of the game. And it was just attack after attack after attack. I thought the midfield trio of uh, Musa McKinney uh, and Tyler Adams did really, really, did really, really well. And again, I thought Josh Sargent did a, a good job as a, a hold-up striker. Um, you know, there were some chances where 
players were overpassing. There was a great opportunity, a three-on-two that Tim Weah and Josh Sargent worked and uh, didn't end up resulting in a shot because of some, you know, some fancy passing. But by and large, I thought the first half showed what this U.S. team could do. And I still think that in the grand scheme of things, there are a number of areas in this team that could be improved on. But, um, you know, it all paid off after a great ball over the top set up Serginho Dest, who had a great header across the six. And Christian Pulisic used his uh, gonads, if you will, and put them on the line, carrying the ball across and uh, giving the United States the only goal of the game right before halftime. And he stayed down, or in the 38th minute, he stayed down, um, you know, clutching his abdomen, which is what the official team reports. His said. groin. But it's not an ad. It, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, a it's, it's a nutsack injury. Yeah. Uh, we've all been there. And um, yeah, that was all that was needed in terms of the goals. But that was a great move. And I think it set up a, a shakier second half than necessary. But Nick, uh, that goal, I think, was a, a great combination of players, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I think for Christian Pulisic, obviously, this has not been the easiest calendar year for him at Chelsea. Been certainly out of the team as of late, both under Thomas Tuchel and Graham Potter. And when you're not playing well or when you're not playing consistently, sometimes it is about going the extra mile physically, putting your body on the line to secure those kind of moments for yourself. And I thought Christian Pulisic has been quietly quite exceptional in this tournament so far. I thought he was technically very sound against England. I thought this game, his first 35 minutes were as well. But when it, it came down to it, it required him you know, getting past the Iranian defense and making a really deft run to the back post and putting his body on the line. And that is going to be, uh, whether Christian Pulisic likes it or not, that right now is going to be his definitive uh, career moment for the national team. Him putting USA 1-0 up his first goal at a World Cup. I think, I mean, an incredible contribution from him. Someone who I think absolutely needs it. Um, in Both in his career on a larger scale and also, you know, being the leader uh, of this USMNT from an attacking perspective. But yeah, so he, he posted a selfie of himself celebrating um, in a hospital bed. So saying that he is going to try his best to be fit for Saturday. And I believe that he will be. I think we'll see him on Saturday against the Netherlands and he'll be integral to whatever the USMNT do against the Dutch. Yeah, I thought um, it was a very, very good uh, demonstration of what he can do. Uh, I thought he looked really good dropping into midfield as well to pick up the ball. I do have, I, I, Josh Sargent went off injured with a knee injury in the second half. And the U.S. brought on, or Greg Berhalter brought on Haji Wright. And that was the change that, that Greg Berhalter had made before the England game. And I thought he was pretty ineffectual there. I still would like to see a situation where uh, Brendan Aronson, who came on for Pulisic at halftime, where Brendan Aronson gets a start and they play, you know, Tim Weah as a nine or even Pulisic as a, as a, as a false striker. Um, just because I thought Aronson was pretty good once he got in the game and Wright was a more similar tactical uh, switch for for Josh Sargent, but I don't think he offered anything. In fact, late in the game, he had a chance to either go through on goal or take the ball to the corner and kill off the game. And instead, he rushed a first-time shot with his off uh, foot and put it out nearly for a corner. So that's my big question, I think, going in for the next game because... Sergeant definitely looked a little bit shakier coming off the pitch. 
Yeah, and if you're Jesus Ferreira, you have to be wondering what you need to do in order to get into this team and try and get on the end of these moves because I think he is definitely someone who over the course of the season has probably deserved a run out in the USMNT from the number nine position. Yeah, like you said, Haji Wright, ineffective once again. Josh Sargent, I thought definitely more in tune from a pressing perspective from what you'd want for the USMNT. I think he's going to be a miss against the Netherlands. And we'll come on to talk about that game, I'm sure, where pressing is going to be of the utmost importance in order to unsettle players like Virgil van Dijk, Frankie de Jong, and David Klaassen. But yeah, I think that's a huge question still is where are, when Christian Pulisic isn't putting his balls on the line, where are the goals coming from? in this USMNT team. Once again, we didn't see Brendan Aronson start. He's been a consistent goal scorer for Leeds United, winning the ball back in pressing situations. I think could it be a question of maybe giving him a start against the Dutch? But yeah, it seems like Greg Berhalter Berhalter is pretty set in his ways. It's a 4-3-3 with Eunice McKenney, with Eunice McKenney and Adams, and anything there going forward is going to be on... A hodgepodge combination of players, it seems like. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting, too, because the Netherlands play a back three, which means they have a midfield five and overlapping wide backs in the form of, you know, primarily Denzel Dumfries. So it's going to be really interesting to see how these two teams match up. Obviously, it's great to see the United States back in the knockout rounds again um, for another uh, consecutive World Cup. Uh, And... You know, before we get on to a quick look at that game, which is going to be on Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern, the second half, a little nervy at times. I thought that Greg went to the bench very, very early. And once he went to the bench to go into sort of a shell and going to a back five, things really took a turn for the worse just because there is such a big gap between the quality of players that the United States has in their starting 11 uh, compared to the bench. And when you're bringing on Shaq Moore, who I thought was really, really bad today over the likes of maybe a Joe Scally. Um, I, I thought that was a little concerning. Um, and going to a back five, basically a 5-4-1 with, with Wright as the lone striker with 19 minutes to go, because um, we knew we were going to get at least six or seven minutes of added time. I thought that was um, a questionable move, although I understand the reasoning for it. I would have much preferred to see the United States stick with a back four try and use possession a little bit more. Um, And, you know, we almost saw them concede what would have been the disastrous goal. Uh, And and Matt Turner, who, again, was excellent. He didn't concede a non-penalty goal in the group stage, uh, made a big save at the very end, and also, you know, withstood a a sort of quasi-dive attempt for a penalty in the box. So that's there's still a question mark there. I don't think the United States has great depth in this tournament. I still think that um, there were better options that were left at home for a number of reasons, like, for example, if the United States had brought Pefok instead of Haji Wright, and they brought him on, and they used him as a starter, I think this team would look a lot different. But all in all, I guess, Nick, a win is a win. A win is a win, but I would agree that, just like the Wales game, Burhalter really defaulted to this sit-back approach that I think the U.S. aren't the greatest team at absorbing pressure, and I think we saw that again. But they're not the greatest team. team, period, too, right, you know? Well, like, no, this exactly. Is, this, yeah. But this I team think... is not good enough. This team is not good enough to to withstand. For example, if the Netherlands are down 1-0 and they start pressuring in the 75th minute, the United States can't withstand 20 minutes of Dutch pressure in that formation, you know? 
No, exactly. And they think they have the tools to press teams very effectively. And we've seen that now two games in a row back to back. The trio of McKenney, Adams, and Musa is going to be good enough in these games. Like these are three players who are all playing in Europe, all playing in systems that require a certain level of effective pressing. And they, the three of them combine very well. And I think you want to support that by giving them as many opportunities to possess the ball as possible. And I think in defaulting to that three at the back, you saw the USMNT just try and absorb as much pressure as possible. It looked incredibly hard, like you said, for players like Shaq Moore and Jedi Robinson on the, the wide flanks to break out and push the ball forward. Uh, it left a lot of responsibility to Reem, Zimmerman, and Carter Vickers. And I think in the, in the later rounds of this tournament, you're going to want to be on the ball as much as possible against these bigger sides and certainly help out your press and get to that position of, you know, defensive rest in a little bit more of a calm manner. But I definitely don't think that played into the game script for Burhalter in the USA Today, Burhalter making that formation change. And also, you know, you have that controversial penalty scenario at the very end, which I doubt would come if the USMNT had seen this game out in a different fashion. But yeah, definitely made this a little bit more nervy <laughs> than I thought they had to. Definitely, I think, had opportunities to kill the game. The USMNT had several shots on target today. This was their most, I think, their most put-together offensive performance of the tournament so far. But yeah, it seems like Burhalter definitely likes to put his foot down on the brake as soon as possible, which I think could be a concern going forward. Yeah, and then big shout out to Yunus Musa who ran himself absolutely ragged. I was I was shocked that he wasn't a player who came off uh, the pitch uh, because he was really really struggling towards the end. And I guess the good news is that you know you get you know presumably an off day tomorrow and then two full days to prepare and get healthy. But um, you know the the Netherlands played in the morning. They beat Qatar two nil in a game that was not particularly competitive. And uh, they win their group. They win Group A and advance as, you know, in the winner's side of things to take on the U.S., who finished second in Group B. This game will be really good. Uh, obviously, the Netherlands have a history of coming up against CONCACAF teams in the round of 16. Famously, we mentioned it on yesterday's podcast, but famously going up against Mexico um, a couple of years ago. And this is not... You know, this is not our your father's Netherlands national team. You know, they are very, very well managed by a manager who is in what he calls his last ever job. They've got two strikers, one of whom is incredibly informed and probably the breakout player of this tournament so far in Cody Gakpo. Well, I They've didn't got, think it was great against <laughs> against Qatar to be I fair. mean he did he did score, but he <laughs> um he did score, but he he might not have been great. Um, but you know, he has, he has three goals this tournament. Uh, they've got a player in Memphis Depay who is tricky and experienced. And then they still have, you know, for my liking the, you know, probably the best center back in the world at the moment. Um, you know, even given his struggles at the club level, Virgil van Dyke is still immense and daily blend is great. Uh, questions over their goalie. Um, you know, they, they brought in three goalies that were not super experienced or two goalies that were not super experienced at the international level. Um, but this is a really good Dutch national team. They've got Frankie de Jong and Martin Darun as their center midfield pairing. So uh, I think it's going to be a real test. And I would imagine the Netherlands are going to open as heavy favorites uh, against the U.S. on Saturday. Yeah, but I think the U.S. has a chance here, right? 
And I don't, I, while I like this Dutch team and while I really like Louis van Hall as a manager, I think he's still incredibly innovative as a coach, even at, you know, his, like he's, like you said, it's his last gig as a manager. I still think the USMNT can find an avenue into this game. And I think it's going to come from the midfield, like we were talking about earlier, press, press, press. They need to bring that same pressure that they demonstrated against England. They'll have three days, three full days to rest now to recuperate to get Christian Pulisic back up to speed or as much up to speed as he possibly can be. And then it needs to be in in all hands on deck, kind of like lead style, which Tyler Adams will be familiar with, a lead style pressing front against the Dutch. Unsettled players like Davi Klaassen, unsettled players like Frankie de Jong, unsettled players like Virgil van Dijk, who has been quite vulnerable to the press this season for Liverpool. It has been a bit error prone in those situations. So it's going to be about, you know, keeping keeping the shape narrow once again, you know, exploiting width when it's possible, exploiting pace when it's possible from the likes of Pulisic. I would like to see Brendan Aronson be brought into the fold from the go in this game. Just use his technical ability, use his familiarity with pressing. And I think the U.S. can can find a way to, to nick a one or two goal win here, potentially like a 2-1 or a 1-0. But yeah, Gakpo has been incredibly dangerous in this tournament. Um, you know, as has, you know, Steven Bergwijn, who has come in. I wouldn't be too concerned about the likes of Vincent Janssen, but, you know, obviously he's a player to still look out for. But obviously, you know, Frankie Young and Virgil van Dijk are going to try to run the show. And these are some world-class players that the U.S. are going to have to contend with. But contend with, I think they can. I think yeah, they, the U.S. And... Sorry, but the, I think the, the U.S. do a very good job of playing up to the level of their opponents. I think we saw that against England. We've seen that when they played... Uh, games against teams that are higher ranked for them they, they do they are a pretty good team at chasing the ball and I think they're going to need to sh- demonstrate that once again but I think it's something that they can do I, this gives me this gives me very very big um, you know 2014 round of 16 versus Belgium vibes if you think about it that was the Belgium team that was also playing a 3-5-2 um, obviously Belgium and the Netherlands are you know geographically right next to each other the difference is that Belgium team had you know a, a Thibaut Courtois in net who was, you know, going into his prime. The USA, I, that game went into extra time at nil-nil uh, before Belgium scored twice. And then, uh, oh, uh, uh, Green, right? Um, what was, what's his name? Julian Green. Yeah, Julian Green, who I, I believe plays in the second Bundesliga now for Greuther Firth, maybe? That's um, true. Uh, I, you know, in that game, the United States relied on Tim Howard to set the record for saves in a World Cup match. Um, I think that, again, you know, this this United States team does not have the quality to to get into a possession battle, but they do definitely have the pace. And you think about a team playing in a back three when they commit their fullbacks forward, uh, it could be really, really tricky uh, for the Netherlands. So I am not going to go out on a limb and say that the United States wins, but I could easily see this game going into extra time. And it goes without saying that Matt Turner is an excellent uh, penalty stopping keeper he you know when he was with the revs he basically owned orlando city from the penalty spot uh in the playoffs there so obviously different beast when you're going up against i don't know memphis to compared to tesho akindele so sorry tesho you're catching a stray here but uh that's my that would be my formula uh i would go with the same lineup uh if everyone is healthy today um or if you know if sergeant isn't fit i would try to get another ball playing you know, midfielder in the team, but yeah, I'm excited. Should be a, should be a good time. 
do we want to just do one word on the Iranian players, Iranian players who are going home? I think this has been this has been an incredibly tumultuous tournament for them, both on you know the World Cup stage and the geopolitical stage as well. You know, this is, as we talked about in the last podcast, they are facing a, a bit of a crisis at home right now, and these players, I think, showed tremendous courage to even you know show up and play. I think they had an incredible two 0 results against Wales. Couldn't get the job done today. But I still think, you know, it's an admirable effort for, especially, you know, the situation in Iran right now not being, not being incredibly ideal, being quite tumultuous, in fact. And just watching them sing the national anthem begrudgingly was a, quite a note to start this game on. And I just, you know, a word for them, I think, would be, would be appropriate. Yeah, I mean, they're, they are a very successful national team, and they have been, you know, in the World Cup now for three straight tournaments and they almost went through back in 2014. They almost went through in 2018. And this time, you know, they were a goal away from progressing. But um, yeah, I do feel a little bit bad for them. Um, you know, as far as, you know, squad composition goes, I do think that they're, you know, one of those weird teams who have just much more quality in attack than they do in defense. And um, I thought that showed this tournament, you know, giving up six to England in the opening match day. Set a, set a bad tone for them, I think. But then they played really well versus Wales. They, honestly, they didn't look all that threatening today. Um, and I thought that that was probably the result of having to play for a draw a little bit, um, or playing for a draw, rather. And honestly, who can blame Carlos Queiroz given how few goals or how incapable of scoring goals the U.S. had looked. So Queiroz um, is a great manager. These players, you know, there were reports that, you know, their families were being threatened um, you know, depending on how sort of patriotic the players appeared on the pitch. So um, certainly difficult for them. Um, and uh, yeah, shout out to Iran because, uh, you know, they will be a very competitive, uh, they'll be a very competitive team, I think, going forward as well. They've got, you know, Osmoon, who's in his late 20s uh, or mid 20s. Uh, and then, you know, they should be able to qualify for another uh, for another World Cup, especially as the tournament expands in, you know, a weak AFC. So, Godspeed. Godspeed to them. But, with all that said, we have three days until the round of 16. It will be a nervy three days, I think, from a fitness perspective, from a tactics perspective. Nick, your score prediction for Saturday's game. I think Nathan Strauss, just like Christian Pulisic, I'm going to put my balls on the line here and go for a 1-0 win to the USMNT. Very interesting. I am going to go for a 2-0 Dutch win in extra time. So there you have it. Um, but obviously, I hope the result goes differently. Uh, it was great to see how, how patriotic... Uh, you know, my, my Twitter timeline looked, it's not exactly something that I'm used to. Um, but, you know, I was going full out, you know, Sam the Eagle, you know, tattooing my face red, white, and blue uh, during this match. So uh, soccer, the game that unites us all. But with all that being said, I have been Nathan Strauss. Nick, any last words? No, I mean, shout out to Christian Pulisic. I think he has his moment. I think his balls also have his moment. Shout out to them as well. And we will see you all next time. We will see you all next time.